po 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 boys po 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 boys po 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 boys po boys po boys I'm I'm Pete po boys I'm Josh Josh are you eating something no that's ridiculous hmm um that doesn't sound like me at all eating being a rude boy for our uh, listeners, <clears throat> now, Gee, listeners, a lot of you might think, oh, Josh is being rude um, for eating on the pod. But here's the thing that you need to know about being a swole boy is that you got to keep your energy up. So a lot of people, they have breakfast, they have lunch, they have dinner. We have to, because of how many calories we burn through all of our workouts, through our various training regimens, we actually have to eat and get fluids pumped in our body on a daily basis. We do. That is true. We do actually have to eat on a daily basis. We also, to record these podcasts, we have this battery kind of hookup where our microphones and our laptops are powered by like an elliptical. So I know it sounds like we're very casual and chill, but we're actually maintaining a steady heart rate and we are doing a lot of cardio right now. And yeah. it is very like oiled up elliptical, so you don't hear it. But yeah, and we're gonna get into some uh, of that we're cardio. We're full sprint. We're gonna get into some of that cardio too, um, because this episode has some cardio in it. So we're gonna we'll talk about that and give some tips for those of uh, listeners that might have a little weight that they want to lose before celebration. That's um, right. <laughs> that's right. Are you gonna be able to fit into your celebration dress? <laughs> we can help you out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because. A lot of people, you know, you're going to celebration to see your favorite um, actors in the Star Wars universe, connect with friends, see all the great costumes. But another thing, too, is you want to take a picture, uh, you know, near a bunch of things. Right. And if you are just like this fat, bloated whale, um, I, you know, I know a couple people that are like that. I'm sure you all Jabba. do. <laughs> Jabba. Jabba the Hutt. Uncar Plutt. Uncar Plutt. Looking at you. All right. And let's be honest, Niku could probably stand loose in LBs as well. He truly could. And I'm glad you bring this up because I can't help but notice he's put on some weight since the beginning of the show. So we'll talk about that um, in this episode. Um, we are covering episode 19. I've got it as 19, but yeah, look, listeners, anywhere you go, you're going to get two different answers because it all comes down to whether or not the pilot episode is one or two episodes. And some places have it as being a single hour long episode. Some people, some places have it being divided into two. We initially had it as episode one, and then I believe StarWars.com or whoever had it as one and two. So if you look back at our our episode title for that, we had to go back and change it to season one, episode one and two. I've got it as 19. And on the Wikipedia stuff, it says there's 21 episodes this season, and this is episode 19. We got two episodes left, so it makes sense to me. And on Disney Now, though, it says it's episode 18. So it's like, do you... Disney Now says that. Yeah, so the streaming service itself says that. But... I mean, this is what you listeners come here for, is us talking this is about what you come here for. Yes. the <laughs> numbering system for the episodes. And we'll get yeah. to the bottom of this. Um, is it just somebody that's a lazy programmer, or is there something more insidious at, at foot? Yeah, this does seem very sinister. Yeah. 
Like, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, there's more episodes, there's more episodes, because they said there's 21, this is episode 18 on the Disney Now app. So I think they're trying to bring people in, and then boom, nothing. It's very, now, here's very something. curious. StarWars.com has it as being episode 20. <laughs> because on StarWars.com, the disappeared last week's episode is listed as season one, episode 19. Listeners, this is why you come to our podcast. Like last week's episode, we're like, oh, did you see that salacious crumb poster in the background? And then you all just went crazy and then, you know, did a deep dive into that episode. You sent us pictures, you sent us fan theories, all of this stuff. So this week, is it episode 20? Is it episode Ugh. 18? Is it episode 19? Now, regardless... What is even happening? Regardless of that, this episode was titled Descent. And I got an official description for you. After the First Order discovered the fireball was the ship that crossed into their territory, Yeager's crew must evade troopers hunting them down. After realizing that Kaz and Yeager have been lying to her, Tan decides to stay with the troopers, convinced her own innocence will save her from the wrath of the First Order. Now, that is one of the wordier official descriptions we've gotten. But um, this is... this show just keeps ramping it up each and every episode yeah we really are we are definitively kind of in the end game here with this episode was a follow-up to a cliffhanger i feel like it kind of left us on a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of this episode i mean less a less um dangerous cliffhanger perhaps but like it's we're very much at the point where it's downhill and and momentum is behind it Mm -hmm. as we barrel into the finale with these next two episodes there are going to be so many cliffhangers left for this, like the season finale. And we're going to like know a lot of things because it's going to go straight into episode seven. It does seem that way. Yeah, it does seem that way. It's I mean, it's been it's been very, very good. And I like how it says in this description, Yeager's crew must evade troops hunting them. And this is really a, you know, Kaz is the catalyst for all of this. But Yeager is the one. The like, catalyst, if you will. Hashtag catalyst. <laughs> oh, man. That I think Christopher Sean's gonna really like that when we uh, how that one's for you, Chris. Yeah, we're gonna have to figure out how to spell that to make it easy for everybody. But this is really Yeager being like, "Oh, you're calling my jersey? All right, well, time to show you how we in the rebellion would rebel against you know stormtroopers." And um, oh my gosh, like each scene where Yeager was taking charge. Was abs- I mean, it was it was insane. It was it was very very good. Yeah, he hasn't missed a step, and he it definitely kind of almost seemed like he. I mean, it seemed to me that he was prepared for this eventuality, or that like you know him and Bucket, there had maybe been a drill or two, or he like he designed his you know the fireballs um, mechanic shop with this in mind. You know yeah. that if he needed to escape very quickly, here is what he can do. Yeah, so we we start this episode off where the last episode ended with the First Order and uh, Commander Pyre in Yeager's shop holding everyone at gunpoint, like, yo, you're arrested, we got resistance spies. Um, Tam obviously disputes this, and at the beginning of this episode, it was very much, it seemed clear where it was going to go in terms of her going with the First Order and them running away. And so it became a question for me of, is this the episode, I've already been, expressed my mm, agitation at the kind of holding pattern pattern they left Tam in. Like, I don't begrudge that character's feelings. I begrudge how often the show makes her recite those feelings over and over again. And I get it. 
Um, so I was like, is this, is this going to be kind of a payoff of those feelings, particularly with the introduction of Asian tyranny here? Are we going to get, you know, a little philosophical back and forth between these two characters, a kind of a dark night of the soul for Tam type thing? Um, that seems to elude us thus far, though I don't think it's off the table. I think it could happen next week. Again, pacing of the show, hard to predict. But they're all at gunpoint, and then lo and behold, who saves the day? Little old Bucket with um, everybody's favorite evade stormtroopers technique, just like Niku when they were running away in an episode earlier this season. You know, mess with a pipe or spray fog everywhere. Yeah, and um, it seems the funny thing is, we know from episode seven that when Finn talks about the smoke and what the trooper troopers helmets can and can't take in, we have some yeah. we have some insight. And when this exists, what happened? What did he say? They filter out smoke, not toxins. Yeah, I think is what the line is. But for Yeager, his eyes filter out all smoke. <laughs> because he has well in in, in de- defense the line isn't specifically in reference i think to the respirators it doesn't say anything about like whether or not they can see i think that has to do with what they breathe in mm-hmm. so i do think stormtroopers are still probably incapacitated visually mm-hmm. but not yeager whose eyes can no. see through the smoke um yes. <laughs> with <laughs> expert precision because he's awesome no, also i mean i would imagine um he knows that whole um, shop, like the backside of his hand. So it doesn't, you know, surprise me that he can quickly move into a spot. Yeah, and then of course in this uh, big giant kerfuffle, oh no, Bucket gets murdered or something, oh, and uh, yeah. falls off, and we get like a little bit of an echo of spoilers for Solo, a Star Wars story, I guess. If you maybe haven't seen that, but we have a little bit of an echo of L 3s death, sort of. Um, where, you know, we see a character who cares for a droid and that droid being kaput, but Yeager clearly doesn't care. Like, he cares, but, like, he doesn't care that much. I don't know. I mean, he cares, but he's clearly a person that can take loss, right? Like That's true. I mean, he, if you've lost your wife and daughter, then your, your robot's an not going to... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a normal person probably would hit them harder, uh, but for Yeager, you know... He realizes there's a time for feelings, and that time for feelings is not now. Mm-hmm. And for us as an audience, I think it even perhaps younger viewers it might it might strike them as intense. I you know it kind of was. I I don't really feel like I have any idea of who or what Bucket is. Um, I mean, it's a perfectly perfectly serviceable character, but like Bucket is not Chopper. Like Chopper was very much a main character in mm-hmm. Rebels and had, like, a lot of personality and a lot of screen time, whereas Bucket has taken the sidecar to BB-8. Yeah, I mean, BB-8 show. was the Bucket or the R2 of Resistance. Now that um, now that he's gone, we have... CB-23. CB-23, who had an amazing scene where she threw a forklift into... Like, what, three, four stormtroopers? <laughs> yeah, but I did visually. Like, she runs a forklift in three or four stormtroopers and just misses Pyre, who's on the other side of the forklift. Mm-hmm. But he's on the other side of the forklift, like, where the person would go. So there's, like, a window. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's nothing actually obstructing him. He's got a gun. 
and he like kind of looks and then he's just like eh, oh. I'm not going to shoot this gun <laughs> like, I could shoot right through <laughs> there's nothing obstructing my shot but whatever this forklift is confusing so Josh that and I'm sure a ton of listeners are having that same thought right now in TV, this is called the airbutt effect, where a normal person, um, and this is a normal person would be like, "Oh, I'm just going to rationally continue. I can shoot through this. I am, don't have anything obstructed." But just like in the movie Airbud, all of them, when you see a dog dunk or catch a football or block a goal, <laughs> you don't immediately go and you know can finish the play or pass it around uh-huh. or get the rebound. You're just like. Did I just see a dog dunk? So he's he's dumbstruck by CB23's forklifting mm. prowess. Yeah, it's, it's the air... And it's he can't. The, it's the air butt effect. Um, hashtag air butt effect. Hashtag casualist. <laughs> yeah, that's that makes perfect sense to me, is that if I was him, I probably in my life have never seen a BB unit. Um, and granted, you know, he has a BB unit. It's a chump and uh, gets demolished Dubstep later. droid. <laughs> he gets demolished later on in the episode. But if I saw a droid do all of that, I would be like, what just happened? And then move, <laughs> and then move on from there. So I, okay. I could see that. So we get from um, the Fireball's um, uh, mechanic shop. Tam stays behind and was like. She surrenders. I surrender. I surrender. And she immediately, like, shots are firing, by the way. They're shooting to kill. This is not blasters on stun. Like, you get this Stormtrooper's blaster, and he's he's shooting to kill. And in the midst of all that, Tam mutters to herself, this is just a big misunderstanding. And she, you know, clearly still sympathetic to the First Order, also sympathetic to her friends, feels like she can, I guess, smooth over this conflict and offers herself up for surrender. Because everybody else flees to Yeager's office, and they barricade themselves in there. But she is taken by Pyre. It's also clear that she's never been in a situation like this, right? So, like, she yeah. immediately freezes, whereas um, Niku, I guess, <laughs> just, like, does whatever anybody tells him to do. And then Kaz, mm-hmm. at this point, is um, battle-hardened. And then Yeager obviously has a bunch of experience because, you know, he immediately has a blaster and is firing back and has accuracy which is a crazy thing to see from one of our main characters um so i think that's a pretty reasonable thing like uh if if she just stood there and was like what's going on what's going on that's like the equivalent of somebody hiding behind something and being like i just want it to be over i just want it to be over i just want it to be over so um we get then yeager and his crew fleeing um, through the vents, and they're basically figuring out what their next move is. Now, they're not quiet, so... No. <laughs> uh, it shows that, you know, they are not trained to do this. Um, and this happens again and again throughout the episode. And then on Tam's side, we have um, her going to um, Doza's Tower, yeah, and we get a new character introduced here. We get one of these fancy First Order landing crafts come in, and we meet Agent Tierney, who um, folks who, who frequent StarWars.com might have seen. They posted kind of a cosplaying guide for Star Wars Resistance ahead of Star Wars Celebration, of course, with a lot of very detailed kind of round table concept art of all different kind of angles of the costumes and the characters. 
and Star Wars Resistance, and they posted one of Agent Tyranny saying, hey, this character's not out yet, but we suspect that it might be popular with cosplayers. You're going to meet her in a few weeks. Um, so this character, to my knowledge, kind of debuted there. She shows up here. She's a member of the First Order Security Bureau, which is a spiritual successor to a thing that was in uh, Star Wars Rebels, the Imperial Security Bureau, the ISB, one of the main characters in uh, Rebels, Agent Callus was uh, part of that. They're kind of the intelligence agency, and I think, I guess, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're an intelligence gathering, gathering agency, and I'm, I'm happy that Agent Tierney uh, carries on the grand tradition started by Agent Callus of having just, like, a preposterously villainous, villainous name. Mm-hmm. Agent Tierney. Okay. It's me, Agent Hate. We've also seen, I mean, this is a character that we've seen in multiple iterations, so... She is part of the security bureau, but her goal is to extract information from Tam. So she does mm-hmm. it in a much more smoother way. Um, she yeah, uses, she is by no means a blunt object. She uses the she's all about carrots, not about the stick. Um, and we have seen, if you're a fan of the books, um, one of the big characters from the aftermath series, which was the first set of. Um, books in the new canon there uh-huh. was a um person that did a very similar thing to this singer Velis, who was a loyalty officer in uh the empire oh yeah 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 so his whole job was to do the same thing that tyranny um and callus did but he was all about the stick and um it shows throughout the whole thing of like they basically the new republic once he switches sides um, in those three books that came out, they kept being like, you need to use your torture tactics in order to get information. He's like, one, I'm gay. First Star Wars character that's openly gay. And then he's like, two, I don't want to torture people anymore. And they're like, yeah, that seems about right. We shouldn't let you torture anybody. <laughs> so, And then also, most prominent ISB agent... Though through retcon, of course, is in Rebels. We find out that the head of the ISB is a uh, big guy, white mustache, sitting around the boardroom on the Death Star in New Hope. You know, white suit, big uh, Colonel Sanders mustache. Oh, you Lauren? Yep. Oh, cool. Yep. We've, and he's in Clone Wars a little bit, and yeah, he's also an ISB agent. So yeah, there's there's precedent for this kind of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Agent Tyranny shows up, and she is. Um, Gonna get some info out of Tam. Meanwhile, Kaz and Eager and CB23 and Niku are still kind of wandering through the vents. Kaz admits to Niku that he is actually a resistance spy, which Niku is uh, not sure is actually true in typical Niku fashion. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, they're just shouting and hollering in the vents and then just look up and their stormtroopers are like, oh, hey, they're right there. <laughs> we heard you. Get them. And they're able to escape only through the help of... Turtle people. The, the little symbol people and their turtle friends. The Ke- children of Tahar. Kel and Ela. Yes, those guys who also are like, hey, you guys are very loud. <laughs> You're in the resistance? Yeah, we heard you. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, these turtle people, though, what a delight. I really hope there's a turtle person cosplayer. I would really be messed up if in Luke's Jedi Academy... One of the Jedi were the turtle people. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Be so bad. Be so bad. Like, <laughs> that would be amazing. Kyle is like, kill them all. 
And then the turtle person's trying to get his lightsaber out, and then boom, never has a There's chance. A, you could make a turtle person lightsaber real good. They wouldn't necessarily be good at lightsaber combat, but it'd be like that internal fortitude, you know? Oh, I would, and they'd be like, yeah, oh. Like a turtle person that could like use a force to slow other people down. Like that stupid Flash villain, who I think is literally called a turtle. I don't know what you're talking about. But don't worry about it. It's one of those um, species that it's hard to picture them being a Jedi against against other <laughs> Jedi. Like what was um, like year old Poof? You know the the Jedi with like the giraffe neck. Oh yeah. Just like yeah. <laughs> how does that guy you know defend himself or like lead a battle? Like his neck is like just con- should just constantly be dodging. Or um, what's the slug one? That one. Because he, oh, he had, man. that one. Opo Francis's or Ranc- something. Francis Francis's. That that thing is utterly perplexing to me. Yeah, because he made it into. Episode three, and then wasn't did he? Is he on? The, he's on the council still in three. Yeah, he's on the council in three, and he is in some. He's <gasps> at least one episode of Clone Wars, like in the background. Maybe he's Snoke. Gosh, um, well, we already know that Mace is Snoke. That's true. That's true. We do actually know Mace is. is uh, we is should Snoke. talk about that at some point. I've heard that there is some stuff in the Last Jedi novelization. Which mm. sheds light on the Luke Kylo. I mean, sorry, the Luke Snoke relationship. Did you know that? I mean, no. I, I tried to listen to audiobook and then I quit. So. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't um, picked it up yet, but I've I've that's what I've I've heard through the through the grapevine. So they're with these little kids and the turtle people, and kind of the situation is first order's taken over. They're on the lamb, and there is a communications blanket over the station, so they can't get any communications in or out. But they need to contact either the New Republic or the Resistance. At which point, Kaz hatches this bonkers plan it's to so crazy, sink the Colossus. Yeah, because the security blanket, you know, the manual hardware for it is near the top of the tower. And there's no way they can fight their way up there. So they're going to sink the whole station so that only the tippy top is still out. And then they're going to swim deep blue sea style. Look, they did get this plan from the 1999 film. Deep Blue Sea, starring Tom Jane and Saffron Boros and LL Cool J well, and actually, Stellan Guard and Michael Rapaport. Since this is a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, um, Deep Blue Sea got it from Resistance. Deep so. Blue Sea is actually archetypical. And if you read Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces, you'll know that a lot of modern mythology and a lot of old mythology is also all based in the archetypes presented in Deep Blue Sea, so I wouldn't be so sure about that. So we uh, get, so the, <laughs> we get Kaz... Um, everybody's on board because, because they have no, like, Eager doesn't have a better idea. <laughs> and at this point, it's like, yeah, sure, sure, but we're going to need Doza to sign off. So yeah, because they need him to seal all the security doors because they're not actually going to flood the They're Colossus. not going to kill they're everybody. They're just going to sink it, yeah. right. So, um, Which Doza, I did not initially understand. Oh, really? For the record. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, that's so stupid. Why did you do that? Yeah, I... I, I I knew that that was um, I I didn't have the same opinion on that I I, I kind of followed along but um, we see Doza basically witness that Tyr- Tierney is going to interrogate Tam and then um, Tora and Doza are just like walking I guess um, down a hallway and then CB twenty three. Uh, <laughs> uh, like food jacks, a BB unit, BB ninety or whatever it is, dubstep man, and 
um, communicates with Doza, um, uh, uh, Kaz's plan. Then uh, Doza's like, I'm going to properly use this BB unit and then visually records, you know, sends a recording. Um, Mm -hmm. Because Kaz is like, I guess he doesn't know how to do that. (laughs) Relies on CB23 to do beeps and bops to get the message down. But (laughs) yeah, and this was a very lassie sequence when CB23 comes up because Doza's like, what's that? Kaz is going to do what? Kaz He's going to well? do this and that. Oh, no. He needs me to do what? He needs me to do this. He's stuck in a well. Here, get my message back to him. I did get a kick out of it, though, but it was very like, <laughs> I'm going to repeat everything you say, but as a question? <laughs> when I record, when we started recording, I did not intend to us be making so many dog references as we did today. <laughs> Do we um, make a dog reference? Yeah, Airbud, and then now Lassie. Oh yes, hashtag Airbud effect. Hashtag Castlelust. <laughs> hashtag CB twenty three Lassie. Yeah. CB CB twenty three Lassie. No, nope, that's uh, terrible. Okay. All right, well, so, anyway, CB twenty three is able to get back to Kaz and the gang and give them the go ahead. So they start to sink the station. Let, at which point we get let, a shot of. Let's stop for buddy. a second there, though. Let's stop for okay. a second because. While those are all happening, we have over to Agent Tierney and Tam, we see the propaganda that Tierney is showing. So we get to see, you know, we've seen the stick in terms of kidnapping children, um, sending them off. Murdering people. Murdering people, wiping out races, putting them in containers to do, you know, who knows what. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing... The propaganda that they're they're pushing of um, they were they're trying to show their side of the issue, right? Yeah, safety and, through order, and well, safety through absolute order is yes. what she says. Yes, and then we get to see that um, a li- we get a little bit of background into Kaz. Kaz told um, Tam that he was from Coruscant. He's very very poor. That's the exact opposite. Yeah, and we get. Um, tyranny for for Tam's benefit, but also I got to imagine, given where we are in the timeline here, for the audience's benefit, uh, we get that reminder of no, he's not from Coruscant. In fact, he is from Hosnia Prime, which you know for Tam lets her know that Kaz has been lying for us. The audience kind of reminds us, hey, where have I heard that name Hosnia Prime before? Oh, uh oh. So that'll be that'll be something to see. And it's also putting a lot of parallels to um, Alderaan. Because Alderaan Mm -hmm. was a very, very wealthy world. It was a world so wealthy that it was able to have some autonomy during the Empire, right? Bail Mm -hmm. was able to um, maintain its independence and support the Rebellion at the same time. Hosnian Prime, we know that it's not a supporter of the Resistance, because, you know, it, one of its de facto leaders, its senator, mm-hmm. um, is, against the first, is against the resistance. But we know that it is one of the richest um, planets in the New Republic, and that Kaz specifically is, one, is from one of the richest families. Yeah. yeah. Now, do we believe that? I mean, I, like, it's clear that she's trying yeah. to push a narrative, but I feel like that's actually probably a true thing. 
That doesn't surprise I th- me. I think this is a case of a villain using the truth against the heroes. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that because I mean we yeah I mean his his father's a senator and they live on a wealthy world. I, I I think she's probably using the truth to her benefit here. So we get we see um, Tam get all this information. She does sell out Poe, but it's not like she really under she's still not understanding the consequences of what's happening. Well, she, I mean, she doesn't know enough to sell out Poe. She just says, like, yeah, they know Poe. They're friends with Poe. Yeah. Um, she's like, I've never heard of the Resistance, at which point Tyranny is like, oh, the Resistance are terrorists, and they're violent, and they attacked the First Order unprovoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we see this little bit of back and forth, and we see, basically, it lo- it almost seems like Tam is still, like, shell-shocked by what happened, and she is like this blank slate of being filled in on what's happening and being yeah she's fed in all a, this information. She's in a difficult position to be sure, unsure of what to believe, and kind of being told different things by different people. There is going to be a moment where Tam is going to have to choose between Team Fireball or the First Order. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that she'll pick the First Order at this point? I don't, but I think that that's a big part of me just kind of really hoping to see. I mean, I've mentioned before going this this season, going where it's going. I have now kind of my imagination is starting to spin and I've got kind of predictions and things that I'm hoping to see uh-huh. in in season two of, of Resistance, which I got to imagine at this point will go past Force Awakens Last Jedi, since that's essentially one day or, you know, around then. If you're going into Force Awakens, you're going into The Last Jedi. Uh, you know, I, I kind of am hoping for a world where we see these characters alongside, you know, Rose Tico and Finn and all that. And, you know, Tam's a mechanic. They talk about in, in the visual guide for Last Jedi, the Resistance being, like, very strapped for mechanics and pilots having to do double duty. And so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that she will come around. I mean, I got to imagine, if only because the First Order is really kind of openly displaying violence. I mean... You can argue Yeager and them are as well in in defense, but it, I gotta think that if she sat down and thought about it, she would see that. I actually think, and I I found I would find it more compelling if she joined the First Order, and we kind yeah. of see a character that we've seen and developed throughout season one, and we mm-hmm. see that person choose the First Order, and I mean ultimately it's Star Wars, right? They're going to turn to the lights they're going to be one of the good guys in the end but i think it would make tam's character a little bit more interesting if she did join the first order and then regretted and see how she could help out later on yeah i just don't know if i would believe it but i like i i believe her not wanting to condemn the first order i don't know if i believe her going in and like straight up joining the first order but she i mean she seems like a character who is Afraid to abandon authority because I mean again there, there is a safety with authority but I yeah I don't know I don't know hmm. I'll be I'll be curious to see I think we're gonna find out in the next two weeks so so we then have the Colossus um it I'm I'm it's struggling sinking. I'm trying I'm trying I'm struggling for the word it decreases it goes from up to down um there is a uh, it like ascends backwards it ascends I guess. backwards it goes take backsies um, um oh my gosh yeah. i'm struggling with the word here it deflies it um 
Oh my gosh! It's, it's oh, it disappears like the no, name of last week's no, no, episode. No, that was last week's episode. It sink, sink, mm. sunk. No. Um, oh, oh, here, here, here. Let, let's look and see if, if the official description of episode eighteen, nineteen, twenty, the descent, has <laughs> any information on on it. Oh crap! Turns out it doesn't. So um, the Colossus it goes sunk into the it water. Go down. It go down. <laughs> it go down, down. And during which we get the latest installment in the. Uh, Arguably the most compelling thing going on in this show, the ongoing saga of Lil Buddy, mm-hmm. who is still without his vacuum, and he's just sponging up those floors, and then once you know it, that bad boy starts to sink, and there's so much water. What's he going to do about it? Oh, poor Lil Buddy. Hashtag justice for Lil Buddy. I can't wait until on YouTube, you know how people post different scenes on YouTube that mm. they don't have the right to because of copyright, but they post it anyway? <laughs> The person that's going to splice together all of the little buddy scenes. Oh, I can't wait. That will get at least 20,000 views just from myself and Josh. Yeah, little buddy, <laughs> a Star Wars story. <laughs> um, so we see various characters on the Colossus have to retreat. Um, we see some people that have been named, but like haven't been named in the, sh- in the show itself. Mm-hmm. And we get uh, Doza coming in over the intercom, setting off the kind of that iconic Star Wars alarm that you hear in the halls of the Death Star and being like, hey, we're going down. Get inside. Get inside now unless you can swim. It all happens pretty quick. I mean, it goes down pretty quick. You also notice that there aren't a lot of amphibious um, species on the Colossus, too. Like if there was like a Mon Mon Calamari, like they would be like, oh, cool. (laughs) Finally. Yeah, and like um, the pirate captain, um, Krennig, Mm -hmm. you know, he would be like, oh, this is awesome. I can just, (laughs) you know, I can just swim there and take all the stuff out that I want. So there's a descent. Um, The only thing that's opening. That's the name of the episode. Oh, cool. Hey, okay. So we get (laughs) um, Doze's Tower is the only thing that's still up. Mm-hmm. And everything else is underwater. So then what happens is Yeager and Kaz uh, swim up. They got to put they put on those rebreathers, baby. Put on the rebreathers, which is the same as episode one, right? Well, they're a different design. These ones are more like they go over the nose and mouth as opposed to just sticking in the mouth like a mouth guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the episode ones a lot better. Oh, but, yeah. Those are really cool. Yeah. Um, but I think like... Didn't the Jedi have, like, utility belts, too? I don't know. Probably. Kind of. I, the only, like, two things I can really think of for sure are, like, the grappling hook that Luke has in New Hope. Right. But is that, like, a Luke thing? I would assume I guess. it's... Like, I would assume How it's, he like, uses that on a farm eludes me, but... <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll do a deep dive on the, the Jedi belts or the belts of Star Wars at some time when we're starving for content. Yeah, the episode everybody wants to see. Um, so we get um, them swimming, and they've got pretty good form. I mean, Josh, you were a person that, in your younger days, um, you used to swim fairly often. Mm-hmm. What, how, how was their technique? Oh, it was garbage. Um, funny thing about competitive swimming you're not allowed to just grab onto a machine that can jet propel itself forward in the water and just kind of kick a little bit while it drags you around. 
that actually will get you disqualified from a race. Yeah, so they're they're not they're, they're not playing regulation. No. They're not um But there's no time for that, you know. Things are serious. Yeah. Um because there's a descent and then there's disappeared people as well. So what we have is um them swimming up and they're able to make it to the top and see the communications tower. Just kind of push buttons and yank on things and wrap stuff with wrenches until the light turns off. No, no, no. Yeager, he can see it. Like, he clearly knows what he's doing and knows what he needs to pull out in order to have it be shut off. Mm -hmm. Kaz, on the other hand, somehow gets, like, a metal staff or a metal stick and just, like, I'm going to get ready to hit this. I'm Kaz. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then he's, like... It's just like typical Kaz. He thinks he solved it when, in fact, he had nothing to do with it. Um, so Yeager is able to get the message out. And then the First Order comes. Um, it's Pyre and, what, two soldiers, right? Yeah, two or three. I don't know. Um, and Yeager is just like, you know, watch me, you know, shoot and be able to hit, like, with enough accuracy to lock the door for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically just kicks... Kaz into the water, right? He, Without a rebreather, I mean, why don't you just kill him? <laughs> and then he gets taken in, which is interesting because you'd think, why would he not jump with them? Maybe they would also get shot? Yeah, yeah, because Kaz is behind the tower, so they don't necessarily see Kaz, but they see Yeager. Oh, right, okay, I guess. so they don't, so, know that, they don't know Kaz is with Okay. Yeah. Did we talk about the message he gets out? We have not talked about the Kaz message Kaz sends yet. a message out once they get the thing, and he's like, hey... This is this is Kaz on Castellan uh, on the Colossus. First Order's taken over. Help us out here. He sends out that message. CB-23 is like, oh, yeah, I got incoming message from the Resistance. And CB-23 is able to download it before Yeager gives him the boot into the water. And then Yeager gets captured. So Yeager gets captured. Um, we see the message is from General Organa. And it basically says... You are um, out of luck. You're yeah. um, up up the creek without a paddle. And um, given where we are, I guess based on when Poe is leaving to go to Jakku, we could probably figure maybe she's getting this um, right before the Resistance heads to Takodana, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, some we're somewhere in we're somewhere in between Jakku and Starkiller Base being deployed. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, the the resistance is busy, and then she doubles down. She doubles down and says, "If you do get that paddle, come find us. Here's our coordinates." Right. So, yeah, do we? I assume those aren't the coordinates for crate. No, but I guess no, no, they're no. they're the coordinates. Perhaps the coordinates for wherever our heroes are are, are heading after crate, wherever they're heading toward at the end of. Uh, the Last Jedi. This oh, also this sequence. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. Th- I didn't think that. I thought it was just the their current base. But I okay, said I next base. She said our next base. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, this also kind of nixes one fan theory. I guess I would say, which is that in uh, Episode Eight in the Last Jedi, we see all these bombers show up out of nowhere. Those bombers that weren't in Force Awakens. And I guess they, they may explain where they were in books, so that answer might already been. Uh, but, you know, I think maybe some people out there uh, may have been thinking, oh, 
maybe those bombers aren't there in episode seven because they went to help out on Castellon, but it seems like that is not the case. Well, it still might be the case too. I mean, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems, seems pretty clear. It, it seems pretty clear the only help they're they're gonna get is from the pirates, which is where it mm. ends. And right. So the pirates, yeah, intercept that that transmission. Yeah, Krennig. And man, is that it. pirate ship so cool? Well, you're not a all Lego right. guy anymore, so... No. Well, honestly, I don't know that that ship could be all that well reproduced in Lego. Because it is so haphazard and kind of... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that when that, the establishing shot of that ship was excellent. Also want to do a shout-out to the water animation. We've all season just seen kind of stagnant, still water. You know, the ocean being the ocean. But here we got to see it kind of filling in spaces, overlapping onto the station. And a lot of moving water a lot of dynamic water and i thought the animation still looked fantastic yeah i mean it is i have not had a single complaint about the animation so far this season no Um, for sure for sure you know i originally wanted there to be you know more battles and stuff but like what we've seen the space battles i honestly think that they're better than we saw in rebels and clone wars i mean we barely saw anything in clone wars it just continues to impress, and I think it might also be because of how compartmentalized it all is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. They only have to show that pirate ship um, moving for, like, what, five, ten seconds tops, and then they go on to the deck itself. Mm-hmm. And Where then we, we see, see Sonara. Sonara. But we see Sonara in the background. Yeah, she so, doesn't say anything, but she overhears specifically that it's Kaz and that they're, they're in trouble. Yeah. So though this is not new information to those pilots or sorry, pirates. <laughs> um because uh, I mean there was already a communications blanket when uh Sonara snuck off. Though I guess you might argue them getting that message is is tips them off to hey, there's about to be an active resistance against the first order here and we're mm-hmm. looking to get revenge on the first order. This might be our best time to strike. Yeah. Well, know. It's. I think it provides a little bit more information because I would be surprised if Kaz's message, because we only got a, bl- a, a you know glimpse of it from the pirates, but it would surprise me if he didn't say like I'm part of the resistance or they didn't know mm-hmm. this was a message to the resistance. And this is true. This is true. Also, if they can intercept an encoding incoming, uh, sorry, an outgoing message, who's to say that they also didn't intercept Leia's one as well? Very true. Which, Very true. Does that mean that they have access to the new coordinates of the new base? Oh, that wouldn't be ideal. Yeah, hmm. I I no. doubt. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's, well, no, I think it's pretty clear they're going to align themselves with the pirates. Yeah. And that's and, about as deep as it's going to get. Yeah, because I think Cass probably beams that transmission out, whereas it seemed like the transmission he gets is specifically downloaded by CB23 kind of manually off of that piece of hardware. So... Uh-huh. I don't know. And then we do, at the very end, you know, of course, Leia's like, hey, you know, we can't help you. It's not going to happen. We're not going to make it. But Kaz being Kaz and all heroic uh, still is like, nah, we're taking this back. So there's not yeah. really like a moment of defeat there. I mean, he's pretty quickly like, nope, not a problem. We're going to figure this out. The end funny scene. thing is a lot of people thought um, at the end of at Last Jedi, like, oh, the Resistance is small enough that you can fit in the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. right? Like, how that how are they going to beat Kylo Ren in the First Order? 
um, Kaz wishes he had that crew. Yeah. Like, Kaz's <laughs> crew right now is Niku, who just belie- just now realizes that Kaz is a resistance spy, and then Kel and Ela, and then the turtle people. Yep. Like, I guess Doza and Tora also, but um, his, his crew is not... <laughs> is, uh... Is not very, very good, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he does not have a ray on his side. Yeah, he doesn't have a ray. He doesn't have a... Is Nine Nub, did he make it onto that? Yes, thank God he did. Or I would have been done Falcon? with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Hmm. For some reason, I don't remember him being in Episode Eight. He's definitely in there. He's definitely in there on the Millennium Falcon at the okay. end, for sure. Is, yeah. Because they do, like, send off people, which is why you don't see, like, Jessica Pava. You don't see um, Snap Wexley. So it wouldn't surprise like I can still believe he's alive nine up without there being um, anything. Did you see I on Star Wars UK posted who's your favorite resistance fighter? Their Twitter accounts and they showed Jessica Pava, Nine Nub, um, and these two other ones. Oh, Elo Asti, and then they share the he's a he's a black resistance pilot. I forget what his name is. I think he dies in episode seven. Hmm. But they show like they show all four of them. They're like, "Who's your favorite re- resistance pilot?" And I'm like, "Elastic." Where is Poe? <laughs> like, is he chopped liver? Like, it's like it, that should have been. Who's your second favorite resistance pilot? <laughs> um, so you tell him, Pete. Star Wars UK, um, you're on blast right now. Uh oh. It's not as bad as some of our other fights, but this is this is a friendly warning. That's not what you do. That's not how you treat a po' boy. <laughs> Give respect where respect is due. Absolutely. Now, um, with that, I have one more thing, and then you got anything? Uh, I was just gonna say that this episode felt like it went very quick. Like I barely have any notes on it, and I, I when it ended, I was surprised that it was over already. Uh, and despite that. And despite us not having any sort of cold open this episode, we have managed to talk about it for very long. So yeah. a lot of fiber in that there episode. Last thing, we have a po' boy of the week. and that goes News to, to me. Ye- that goes to Yeager. Oh, okay. As uh, our po' boy of the week. Um, basically because we get to see him do everything Kaz should be doing at an, e- <laughs> an extra level. We get to see like a very exciting character that... I wish we could see in episode nine. He's becoming quickly my one of my top two favorite characters in the show. Wow. So right Josh, that um, that's all I have. You said you're good? Yeah, yeah. We've gotten some Star Celebration news. We've gotten some stuff about this new Star Wars theme park, some panels and stuff coming up. I don't know. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you get that like, ticket? You get your plane ticket to Celebration? I have not gone in. Yeah, I'm getting it today. So. Cool, cool. All right. Um, well, if you want to reach us at Poboys Podcast, uh, that's our Gmail account, too. We don't have an Instagram because we're waiting to post pictures of us at Celebration um, and in our spin class that we're going to have at Celebration, too. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, have a good one. Beat it, nerds.